to Overtime Hockey Talk. My name is Mark Paul. My co-host, Justin Baker, joining via the Skypey. And uh, we are in store for a great show today. Uh, we've been we've been out a little bit this week because of, you know, more injuries. We, ha- we should have an injured re- reserve or like an injury report on our website, Justin. Wow. But, I, I, I like it. I think it we needs should, to show up. Any we injury we sustain. What's that? <laughs> Go ahead. I was going to say we should also have people that we can call up to. <laughs> yeah, there you go. We need a minor league system. So we need the like uh what over overtime hockey talk junior A podcast going somewhere. Perfect. Uh, yeah, I mean we're going to talk of course we you can't have a show these days and not talk about William Nylander especially since on Saturday on Hockey Night in Canada, it comes out. Elliot Friedman reports the Leafs are asking teams to take offer to to submit some offers for Nylander because they're open to trading them. And so, I mean, huge news there. We gotta break all that down and, and figure out where we're going from here. Uh, as well, we are going to hit on some early season Vesna favorites. So now we'll do a probably about a quarter. Uh, uh, you know, at, at around twenty twenty five games, we'll do our our initial awards to everybody but we wanted to focus specifically on the Vesna for a minute give some goalies some love uh, of course you know Joel Quinville was sacked and so where might he end up will he coach this season will it be next season what type of team we'll answer all those questions and uh, as well you know sometimes this early in the season it looks like there's some teams that are way higher up in the standings than they should be and they may come back down to earth and there's others that uh, they're having a slow start, but they'll end up making the playoffs, and we're going to talk about those teams. Uh, we're going to give you our picks for the East and for the West of teams that will make it and that won't, that are currently in and out. And uh, then we'll take a couple of your questions, and that'll be our show. So with that said, Justin, before we, before I give my, you know, my fandom William Nylander take, I want to hear what you think of the current situation going on with the Maple Leafs. William Nylander and, you know, whoever else is involved in there, agent, daddy, whatever. <laughs> I love how you, you phrase it, agent, daddy. That's beautiful. <laughs> uh, well, to be quite honest, this is just a classic case of stalemate. I think uh, I, I, I kind of go back to Ottawa and their, or I'm sorry, not Ottawa, but um, Arizona or Phoenix at the time and their their issue they had with Cal Turris. Um it came down to dollars and cents, to be quite honest. I, I think that's the similar case here with William Nylander. I think he feels he's probably worth somewhere in the eight, eight and a half million dollar a year range. And he's not too far off, I don't think. But, you know, Kyle Dubas, he's he wants to keep the band together. He wants to keep all the guys in place like he promised when he signed Tavares to 11 million a season. And it's looking a little bit more difficult than he probably thought it would be. And I think, honestly, too, that John Tavares signing has a big influence on this too, because, you know, Nylander looks at Tavares and he can say, well, my point, my point totals aren't too far off from that guy. You know, why can't I get, you know, this percentage break from him? And that's probably where he came up with the eight and a half million dollar mark. Yeah. Well, and I think the eight and a half comes from Leon Dreisaitl, which sure. I actually, I mean, when that was signed, I thought, that was somewhat undeserving for Dreisaitl at the time, especially since he was supposed to be their second-line center, but in reality played the majority of his minutes alongside on the wing of, of Connor McDavid. Uh, so, I mean, is he a really good player? Yes. Is he worth 8.5 million? 
No, because he still can't seem to drive his own line. And William Nylander has really never been needed to drive a line. He's played with Austin Matthews the majority of his career. And so, I mean, it's just without William Nylander, you see how a guy like Kapanen, who may be uh, just a, a touch behind in terms of overall talent compared to Nylander, but performing just as well, performing very well, uh, when, of course, when Matthews was, was healthy. Uh, to me, this is still posturing. I, I still think that the Leafs want him to be a part of the organization. He still wants to play there. But at this point, I mean, we're what? We're 23 weeks or so away from uh, from the due date of all this. And so if he isn't signed by December 2nd, then he doesn't sign the rest of the year and he's considered a holdout and he can go play anywhere else he wants uh, for that one year. And so, I mean, just a disastrous situation coming down this late, but I mean, what, what choice do you have now as the Leafs? You have to put pressure on Nylander to go, I mean, we'll move you. It's, you know, it's ultimately it's fine. I actually think that they, they shouldn't have been so, you know, the Dubas, like we can and we will in terms of signing all three guys uh, or all four, I guess. Now, uh, you just shouldn't, you, you don't do that because a, you don't know what's going to happen. You can't control people, but also your plans can change. I mean, I think that it's pretty obvious to everybody that the Maple Leafs need help defensively. And William Nylander is their fourth best player. He seems to be the most obvious player that is going to get moved. And so, I mean, I don't think this is a bad thing. I just think that all this could have been avoided if, uh, you know, he hadn't had to kind of show off his balls there for a minute. You know, it just, <laughs> it's just stupid. You just keep it close to the vest. And that's, I mean, and there's your difference between a guy like Lou Lamarillo, who would have never said anything. And this, we wouldn't be sitting here going, I mean, he said he'd sign him and now he's not. And I, I think that that's just a mistake of a young general manager. And, you know, I'm, I'm all for confidence, but you do need to hold it close to the chest nonetheless. No, and I, I would agree with you, too. I think, you know, the the we will and, you know, get them signed bit was definitely, uh, you know, a thing where you're coming out. You're the young kid coming into town to a, a prestigious team like the Leaves that just, you know, pretty much can their, you know, legendary general manager. Yeah, yeah, but, but, he, but Kyle Dubas has been there longer than Lou Lamarillo was there. He, he knew he was going to take over. Oh, no, absolutely. I'm, I'm definitely not disagreeing with that at all. And I think, I think maybe the confidence, too, along with filling in those type of shoes, too, but also trying to reaffirm, like, hey, this is why you chose me over Mr. Hunter over here, you know? Yeah. Like, this, is, this is what's up. I'm going to get this done because, you know, I'm that good. Or maybe it was a little, maybe a little cocky. I, I don't really know. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, though, like you said, I completely agree. You know, plans change. You know, you don't know where you're going to be at the course of a season because let, let's face it, you know, your defense is always been a, a sore spot. You know, maybe that might be the reason why a lot of teams have or a lot of, you know, uh, people have, you know, a hard time putting the Leafs over that hump of being a Stanley Cup favorite just because of the, the lackluster defense they have. And, you know, maybe at the end of the day, like you said, he's the fourth best skater out there. And you just say, hey, you know what? We really need a solid number one, number two defenseman to play with Riley up there, and let's let's go out and get it. Let's use one of these pieces we have to do it. Yep, exactly. Uh, now, in, in terms of what they're going to get in return for him, I, I mean, obviously, at this point, I mean, you don't go and make a public announcement like they did 
uh, Hockey Night in Canada, essentially, you know, reporting out to Elliot Friedman that, hey, we're open for business, submit your offers. You don't hear that very often. And so, I mean, you've got to assume that up to this point, though, the Leafs have already received offers. So to me, it's saying, oh, we, we haven't liked any of the offers. Um, go back and let's try this again. And also giving, you know, maybe a little bit of a, a shout out to some teams that have yet to really dig in deep and actually try to acquire Nylander, teams that could really use them and would be a good trading partner with the Leafs. Uh, perhaps maybe a, a little bit of a, hey, you're not wasting your time if, uh, you know, you, you take some serious time to, to try and figure this out with us. So it'll be interesting. I still am. I'm still saying that it's more likely that he signs with the Leafs than he is traded because ultimately his value The Leafs aren't going to get back defensively what they get for him uh, offensively. And, I mean, I think that maybe it's just a, hey, all right, one year, seven million, and you see what happens next year, you know? Yeah. At some point, point, that's probably, it'll be a short-term deal, and that just is what it is. And you deal with it down the road. I don't disagree with you at all. I mean, to be quite honest, I've, I've heard a couple names thrown out there, and one team that, you know, has been, I've heard a couple times already, Carolina. Um, I think you and I have mentioned them before on the show. And, uh, you know, one name that's been thrown out there is Brent PC or Pesci. I'm not really even sure. Yeah. Except for, I mean, you're just still not getting value for William Nealon. I mean, you're, you're getting a, a three, four defenseman who's, he's a nice defenseman, but he's, he's nothing, he's nothing incredible. He's just a guy who, yeah, you can put out there. Who's going to tip the, you know, tip your, your like Corsi and your Fenwick then in your direction a little bit, gets you some more scoring chances. He's a good player, but he's not a superstar at the position. He's not, no. he's not ever going to be an all-star probably at the position. And I mean, that's what you're trading away. And so that's, that's the hard part of trading a guy like William Nylander is you want to acquire somebody who is, you know, a star. I mean, think when the Columbus Blue Jackets traded Ryan Johansson and acquired Seth Jones. I mean, I think that that's the kind of deal that the Leafs are hoping to find because, right. I mean, at the time, you know, I'd say that Johansson is right along the the uh, same type of conversation as a William Nylander, a guy who's hasn't had a point per game yet, but most likely will, and he's going to be a, a excellent, excellent player. He'll play on your top, top line, and so I think there's got to be some solution, and I don't think that it's going to be the obvious one. I don't think it's going to be for a Carolina defenseman. I, I don't. I, I think that he'll go somewhere else just because I just don't really see them uh, making that huge move quite yet. Yeah, and and the hard part for the Leafs is too is as you know it gets closer and closer to December first. It's basically going to be to where teams maybe try to leverage that and say, hey. We're going to give you less because you're desperate or, you know, uh, hopefully, and I would think Kyle Dubas is smart enough to say, no, we're not, we're not taking less. We'll just hang on to this guy at this point. But exactly. Yeah. There's no yeah. reason that if, if you're not going to get anything really significant, then you just go fine, sit. And yeah, then, yeah. and then you're going to come back to the table the following year. And I mean, you're either going to be able to trade him at the draft or you're just going to hang on to him until you get what you want. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, hey, he's not a center either. So when you look at Ryan Johansson, it's a little bit harder to to even make the case for that because of it. Yeah, but Johan, I mean, we're talking about a guy who scores like ten goals a year. Man, he can't well. score for the life of him. 
I mean, Nylander's only been putting up 20, so it's not that much more. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> uh, okay, well, uh, yeah, William Nylander, will he... Okay, what do you think? In three weeks, will he be a Toronto Maple Leaf? No, I, I think he's going to be sitting out for the year. Personally. Really? You think he's going to sit out the year? Yeah, uh, I, 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 think it, I think it ends up boiling down to that because I think he, he wants to get paid. Uh, and I, I don't think the, the Maple Leafs are going to budge, and rightfully so, they probably shouldn't. Well, I think he'll be dealt before he's before they uh, they let him sit. Personally, I think that they just think that they have a good shot at something this year, and they need they need a, a certain level asset to be had for him. Uh, and even if that's draft picks plus player, I think that that mm-hmm. would be okay with the with the Leafs too. Uh, okay, well let's uh, let's skip on over to Joel Quinville getting fired. Uh, the other probably big news this week uh, as. You know, head coach of the Chicago Blackhawks won three Stanley Cups with them, and and uh, was really touted as uh, you know the best coach in the NHL. Definitely at one point, uh, definitely continues to be in the conversation in the top five in terms of him and Mike Babcock and a Barry Trotz and uh, you know whoever else you want. Mike Sullivan was in there for a while and uh, uh, John Cooper in Tampa Bay, but wherever he falls, either way, he's obviously a guy who teams would love to have behind their bench players love him he's a fantastic coach uh where does he end up and does he you end know, up there this season or are we talking to you know wait until after the the year and bring him in fresh yeah that's that's the million dollar question i think or maybe the six million dollar question at this point uh he is getting paid six million dollars to just hang out by the chicago blackhawks so uh, not a bad vacation package, but ultimately a guy like that, um, he doesn't stay quiet for too long. I think he, he's not going to hang out, take the year off. I think he'll try to get back in it because, you know, we, you know, we've already seen LA fire their coach and just a couple days later, Chicago, you know, cans Quindle. And I think eventually we're going to see a couple other coaches probably get axed at some point during the season. And, um, you know, I think Quinville's been pretty clear. I can't remember where I read it, but, you know, he doesn't want to go somewhere where he's going to have to be part of a rebuilding process. He doesn't want to take the Mike Babcock route and right. hope that, right. you know, eventually things turn around. Uh, I'm not sure even Babcock thought they would turn around as quickly as they did there. But, um, you know, the one team that I think might be a really, really good fit for Quinville would be the St. Louis Blues. Um, they have a coach right now that's not inspiring a lot of confidence and who, in my opinion, is is on the hot seat like he's he's claimed himself. Mike Yo won't be there for much longer, I don't think, and especially if they don't start winning games because this was a team that you and I both had contending for a playoff spot easily in this in this division. Didn't Joe Quinville uh, used to coach the St. Louis Blues? I honestly can't remember. That's, that's a very sure. good question. Pretty sure that Might he have... did because he coached Colorado. Yeah, he yep. did, yeah, he did coach St. Louis. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, he was so... the coach of the Blues back when. Uh, back when they had their president's trophy winning season. Ah, okay. And when like Chris Pronger was winning, you know, he had Chris Pronger and Al McInnes together. Oh yeah. That's, that's not fair. Uh, but anyways, yeah. So St. Louis comes to mind. I think they're, they're a team that has enough pieces right now to make a run, um, at a playoff spot. And I think, you know, getting the right personnel in there to, you know, to coach that team would be great for them. I think Quinville would be a perfect fit. Um, 
you know, and then I, I've heard Seattle too, but honestly, again, I, it comes down to what, what I said is I, I just don't think he wants to sit around and wait. And if he goes to Seattle, that's a couple of years. Granted, he will get to do a lot of scouting and pre-draft stuff, but you know, he's going to be sitting for a couple of years before he gets back out on the ice. And I, I don't, I don't see that as a possibility for a guy like that. Yeah. I could see Edmonton. Edmonton would, uh, would probably be an interesting place for a guy like him to go. You know, you get Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl and see what you can do. A defense that maybe has been underutilized. Wouldn't, wouldn't hate to see that at all. But it would be a matter of whether or not he wants to live in Edmonton. Yeah, that's a tough sell. <laughs> I could also see, you know, Philadelphia has kind of been a little strange with uh, their their streakiness. And if they struggle and they were to fire uh, their head coach, I could see Philadelphia being a good spot for him too. Nice and Like, you know, it's not that far from where he's been before. So that, that could be a spot. Also, the Columbus Blue Jackets could be interesting. You know, I mean, I know they're first place in their division, uh, but if anything were to ever go south with John Tortorella, I mean, it, he Joel Quinville would not be a bad guy to come in there and uh, shake things up a little bit. Yeah, uh, Columbus, I, maybe not so much this season. Next season, I know they just gave Torts a two-year extension, so I think, uh, you know, they'd have to at least give it till the end of the year with him. But That's a good uh, point, yeah. Yeah, I, I I definitely could see a team like Philadelphia for sure. You know they've they've been they've been a little bit better lately. Uh, six three and one their last ten, but you know like you said they're they're so up and down. You know, you know maybe just bringing in a new coach to come in there and and turn things around would be what they need. Yeah, or maybe he just goes to Pittsburgh. Finally, <laughs> finally he just goes to Pittsburgh. You know Pittsburgh they get sick of their coaches every like four or five years, right? It's true. Everyone goes from being like like Dan Balsma was the genius, right? And then, yeah. and then really, I mean, within like three years, it was like, I don't know about Dan Balsma. And then Mike Sullivan, you know, then of course they had the, oh, I can't remember the other guy they brought in there for a minute and then they fired Michelle him. Michelle No, no. He was before Dan Balsma. But, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the guy they brought in to, and he kind of tried to really overstructure things. And they fired him in January because, and Crosby was slumping big time. They brought in Mike Sullivan and of course the rest is history. They win two cups in a row. And, uh, you know, now you're starting to hear a little bit like, oh, you know, their defense, they're not doing this and that. And it was, it's like Mike Sullivan's basically the guy that rewrote the book on how to, <laughs> how to win with speed. I mean, he right. was the guy, uh, you didn't see that until the penguins when, once the penguins started, were winning and they were just doing it with crazy speed. It really changed the NHL kind of as we know it. Uh, okay. Well, Let's dive into a little Vesna Trophy talk. Ooh. I know that this is your this is your favorite, so I'm going to uh, let you take the lead on the on the Vesna. Give me just you know a couple things you you're looking at so far, and who maybe your like early favorite and runner up is. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll give you my I'll give you my top three. And I'm going to see if you can guess what order I like them in right now. We'll play that. So for me, when, when I'm looking at goaltenders here in terms of Vesna, I look at kind of what they're doing, how many, like almost like a war kind of statistic, you know, how good I think this team would be without them, how much better this goaltender actually makes this uh -huh. team. Okay. Um, you know, for instance, I think, you know, even though Pekka Rene, his, his numbers are very, very good. He's, almost near a 950 save percentage. Um, you know, to me, UC Saros came in and they were still 7-2-0 and 0 
with him playing as the starter when Renee was a little injured. So um, kind of makes it a little bit harder for me to justify giving Renee a vote because, you know, even though, again, his numbers are absolutely ridiculous, um, I still think this team can win without him. Uh, they could probably win with just about anybody playing back there right now. They're so structured and well, I mean, just that team is in a well-oiled machine right now. I think tonight they're going to go try and tie, I think, against the New York Rangers. Um, no, no, I'm sorry, the Ducks for the second best ever road start to a season with nine wins. And then they're going to go play San Jose tomorrow night to try to win it or to try to tie the record, which is going to be great. Um, but for me, three goaltenders, I think that stand out right now. Yuroslav uh, Halak. Um, Andre Vasilevsky and Freddie Anderson. Okay. I, now, I will say yes. that your, your top is probably uh, right now. Would you give it to Halak as being the top? Oh, Freddie Anderson. You'd probably give it to me. Yeah. Freddie Anderson out of those, out of those three, I'd say Freddie Anderson because he is facing a whole lot more than, uh, than what Vasilevsky is having to, come up against yes absolutely i i mean not a whole lot more actually he only has uh, 21 21 more shots against than vasilevsky but he has played one more game so really i mean that's that's right on par i think uh but i do give the slight edge to anderson over vasilevsky because i think again the defense in front of him is just not as good as it is in tampa for sure yep yep and i would agree with that now yaroslav halak to me i'm looking at this and i'm going okay I mean, he's playing fantastic. Do I think that he's going to be a 945, uh, you know, two shutouts every every 10 games kind of guy? No. Uh, I think that Yaroslav Halak is having a real nice run. We've seen this from him before. Uh, he can still be a really good goaltender for the Boston Bruins. Uh, but I expect that when all is said and done, he'll come back down to earth a little bit and uh, won't be a Vesna finalist at the end of the year, but through his, you know, 10, 11 games, he has played. I mean, he's the reason why the Bruins are where they are. Oh, for sure. They, they definitely lack depth scoring right now. And I think he, like you said, he's the reason they're still winning games. They're still ahead. And I mean, they just sent Tuka Rask on uh, leave quote unquote for, I think four days. Now he, he slated to come back Tuesday, whether or not he's actually going to start or not is a whole nother issue. But um, I think when you can come in to a team like Boston that um, is supposed to be a favorite and steal away a, a starting job from a guy who has been, you know, pretty, pretty slated to be the number one and come from a team like, you know, the Islanders where you were just giving up goals left and right. And, yeah, I mean, and he's been well the number one goalie for eight years in Boston, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like yep. So uh, what about you? What do you, what do you think about this, this trophy here? Who would you give this to? The only, the, there's, you know, I would, uh, I'm I'm going to take Yaroslav Halak out of there, and I actually have been loving the play of Antti Ranta, and Ooh. I I don't think that his now his record doesn't necessarily you know he's five and four so he doesn't get the love in terms of a really nice record um, has also played a a few less games than a lot of other goalies only played nine so far um, yeah been hurt a few times so. yeah and that's kind of been his struggle is that he's. He's off on the just the little day to day things, uh, which is getting Darcy Kumper more uh, more starts in Arizona. But I I think that he has the opportunity to be on this list when all is said and done. He's played really well, and this is a team that they're very stingy, and it's just kind of the way that they've had to play. 
is uh, when they're in games, they're really fighting defensively just to keep games close. This is what I've seen so far out of the Coyotes. So I think that he is, if, if they're any bit successful, it'll be because of him. And if they're successful, I think that he's probably up for the Vesna trophy. Okay. I love it. Uh, two guys though, I will say to keep an eye out for, um, they're probably on teams that in my opinion, aren't going to win many games, but John Gibson and Devin Dubnik, keep an eye out for those guys going forward. Oh yeah. John, John Gibson has been fantastic. I oh, know Devin Dubnik's been fine. I mean, he's eight, and th- eight, three and two. Uh, so I mean, if the wild keep rolling here, uh, the wild just blow my mind. I don't know how they do it. <laughs> you look at them on paper and you're just, no, there's no way this team is this good, but they, uh, they're a very well coached team. Bruce Boudreaux has them, uh, has them rolling right now. So we'll see if they can continue that throughout, uh, the rest of the season. Oh, dropping my phone here. My phone is my, uh, <laughs> gives me my ability to know where to go next. So, okay, well let's, uh, <coughs> should we spend a little bit of time going through the, the standings and just throwing out a team, a team that is currently out of the playoffs that will be in the playoffs when all is said and done. And then vice versa, we'll do that for each conference. So, uh, Justin, you're doing the old Western Conference, so why don't we start over there? Yeah, the old Wild Wild West. Um, well, let's, I mean, from a wild card standpoint right now, you look at the Central Division, you've got Nashville up top. Um, they're not going anywhere. And right beneath them, two and three, you've got Minnesota and Winnipeg. Um, boy, again, you know, Minnesota, a team 11-4-2 right now, a team that we consistently are baffled by how they keep winning. I mean, granted, they do have fantastic goaltending and good structure. But, you know, again, on paper, uh, you know, we'll see how that holds up the rest of the year. Uh, moving on to the Pacific Division, up top you got Vancouver, a team that has definitely surprised both you and I. Um, I know. For instance, I don't know what I, you're talking I, about. I'm not surprised at all. I picked. <laughs> I called them. I said that they would finish first in the Pacific. Go back, listen to the episode. <laughs> yeah, and and right beneath them, you got Calgary, San Jose, um, San Jose, a team that I picked to win this division, and then of course in the wild card spots, you've got Dallas and Colorado, uh, both separated by a point. And you know, uh, to be quite honest, the Pacific Division has got to be one that stands out to me more than any other one because. Uh, when I look at this division up and down, there's no clear team that just is leaps and bounds above the others. You know, you look at well, it the, should the be San Jose. I mean, at least it really should be. The, you know, the way that we thought they would be, and I, I still think that it's bringing a guy like Eric Carlson in really has thrown off this team's. Uh, we'll say their equilibrium. I, I don't yeah. know. I don't. Uh, yeah, it's just it's just that this it had they have such a different feel, and I think there's a huge adjustment period to bringing in a new best player. So yeah, I mean, well, you you just said it. I mean, a new best player, right? Because you know he is he's one of the few half a dozen players in the league, in my opinion, that are just complete team and game changers. Where you have to model your offense around these guys because they're just that good, where they can control every facet of the game and. Um, you know, I mean, a couple other names, Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, even Patrick Kane, you might want to throw him in there too, but I'd like to throw um, Austin Matthews on that list. Yeah. Okay. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I mean, when, when you've been operating for a certain way for so long and now all of a sudden you, you put, like you said, a new best player in there, you kind of gotta, gotta gel, you gotta change things up a little bit to suit him a little bit more. Um, but so for me, a team that I think could possibly fall out, um, honestly would be Vancouver. I just, 
I, I look at every other team right now in in the West. Um, none of them have a goal differential in the negatives except for Vancouver. They're minus two right now, and no knock on you know their their offensibility because they're they're one of the highest scoring teams in the league right now. But uh, you, you look at the Islanders for example last year, they just they couldn't keep the puck out of the net even though they could score a bunch of goals and it, it didn't pan out for them. And I, I don't think Vancouver is going to be any better this year. They're right now they're giving up uh, in the West right now. They have given up the second most goals against uh, only behind Chicago by two goals. And um, so they're negative two differential in goals. And I think that that continues throughout the season. And if, you know, you know, Mr. Patterson, who uh, today, I guess was his birthday. If he slows down a little bit, if, you know, Brock Besser, you know, slows down. If, if, if anybody gets hurt like they did last year, they're going to slip real quick um, because they don't have goaltending and defense to me where I look at it and say, okay, they could, they could win some games two to one, one to nothing. Like, you know uh, you know, maybe say a Boston Bruins team could. Um, and then, so when you look at a team that could possibly get in, uh, in my opinion, I would probably go with the Arizona Coyotes. And, you know, you've talked about it a little bit. He's one of your favorites for the Vesna. Antirana, I think if he gets back healthy, continues playing as well as he has um they they've got a real shot at doing this um you know hopefully you know they they get some some of the younger guys rolling a little bit more start scoring a little bit more because right now they're they're one of the more lower scoring teams in the in the conference but you know if they keep the puck out of the net i i think is as wide open as the pacific division is they could essentially get in and um you know another team to maybe watch out for too would be the edmonton oilers but uh right now for me i think i would probably lean towards arizona just because i'm a little bit more confident in their back end than I would be in Edmonton's. Okay. Um, now just to, just to push back under Vancouver a little bit. Now I, they are obviously the, they're the ones that does not belong, right? Like it's just, what are they doing there? They're in first. That's not like, they're supposed to be eh, maybe a wild card right now, but not first place. Um, I mean, it kind of has some threads of Vegas last year where you're like, eh, there's no way this is going to last. Don't worry about it. And then it just kept on going. Uh, the the thing that I do like about this team, a lot of people are talking about Elias Peterson. Obviously, you know, 17 points in 12 games. Uh, the guy's a, a freak. Uh, not to mention, you know, Bo Horvat having a great start to his season. He's got 16 points in 18 games. Uh, but to me, there's a couple of big clue-ins as to why this team is doing so well right now. The first is their third leading scorer, Louis Erickson who I think all of us wrote Louis Erickson off two seasons ago when he signed that big contract with Vancouver. We kind of went, uh, that's probably not going to work out. And last year, you know, he's get 10 goals in 50 games the year before 11 goals in 65 games. And it, it really has not panned out. He's, he only had 24 points the, the first year with Vancouver, 23, the second he's already got 11. And he's playing really, really well. He's doing the things that uh, I think made Louis Erickson really valuable in Boston. And it was that he wasn't the best player on his line. He is not a line driver. He's a guy who can go to the net. He's got good hands. And he's big enough to be able to create some space for himself. And he's doing it. And so I, I think that when you have a guy like Louis Erickson playing really well, Marcus Granlin's got nine points in, in 18 games. And even to a lesser extent, like a Brandon Sutter, who, I mean, Brandon Sutter last season had 11 goals and 17 the year before that, five the year before that only in 20 games. But, I mean, three and 13 right now, you know, you're looking at almost a 
a nice 20 goal season for Brandon Sutter. And so he's not a guy that's putting up a bunch of points. He's, you know, he's okay at the face off, whatever. But uh, when he's playing well, you know, things are going okay. You know, I know that he's not Vancouver's favorite son anymore, but uh, there's, there's guys that are producing all through this lineup. I mean, Eric Goodbranson is two goals for God's sake. Uh, <laughs> Nikolai Gildobin playing very well as as a setup man. It's just everybody's picking up points. Not many guys are far behind. Uh, and, you know, all this without Jay Beagle, a guy who they brought in to be a third-line center, which we know how important that third-line center position can be on a really good team, uh, you know, a team that's competing night in and night out. And so, uh, so yeah, I mean, of course – him, him not being in the lineup, I don't know. I'd say he's still going to come back. They're going to get a, a pretty decent third line center uh, coming back. Not to mention that uh, Michael Delzato didn't play earlier in the season and uh, was was injured earlier in or midseason, and so he's played less games. But he also is uh, producing mildly for the Canucks. So just all these guys, these veteran guys who this team had brought in to just kind of be along for the ride suddenly are on a ride. This is a real ride and, and you know, good <laughs> things are happening. I mean, even Alexander Edler has five assists in 10 games. So uh, if, if you can get certain guys and, and continue production all throughout your lineup, I, I mean, it won't stop because it's not just one guy who's producing a lot like Vegas last season. It was everybody. They were getting production from the first line to the fourth line. And so if that continues for Vancouver, I don't think they're falling far from this spot. I mean, maybe they don't win the Pacific, but I, I think that they may be a playoff team, especially in this division, because it's so bad. <laughs> well, I will agree with you there. The division is pretty poorish. So, <laughs> All right. Well, shall we do the Eastern Conference? Let's please. Let's, let's do it. Uh, let's, let's run. Okay. So the Metropolitan. Uh, you've got Columbus Blue Jackets leading the way. I, I'm surprised by this in some ways and not surprised in other ways. I thought that they would have a, a start more like this. It's just the very beginning was a little weird and Bobrovsky's struggled. And uh, the way they've been winning is different than the way that they've maybe won in the past, a little bit more defensively. Them, like Vancouver, has a, have a minus two goal differential. And so does the second place team in the Metro, the Flyers, who are minus three. Uh, they've really come on strong, winning three in a row and uh, playing some maybe some lesser opponents, shutting out a team like Chicago. No big deal. But uh, this Metro division is just so close. I mean, you're looking at first place is 20 points, second place, 19, eight, third place, the Islanders of 18. And in reality, I could see all three of those teams missing the playoffs. I mean, if if Columbus were to where to dump Panarin and Bobrovsky. I mean, who who knows where they end up in terms of the playoff race. The Somehow the New York Rangers have surpassed the Pittsburgh Penguins and the Washington Capitals and the Carolina Hurricanes. Oh, and the New Jersey Devils, three of those teams were the playoff teams of this division last year. So uh, it just, to me, this division could completely flip-flop and it would make total, like it would be totally fine. So... <laughs> when I, I, I and w- the Atlantic to me just isn't as interesting. Tampa, Toronto, Boston. I think that that's pretty much how we're going to see it. I mean, Boston, Toronto might flip. Those three teams may flip around a little bit. Uh, Montreal playing pretty decent. I ultimately think that uh, unless Carey Price uh, 
is able to actually look like the you know statistically the carry price that we remember i think that this will be uh this isn't going to last forever and uh, they're also allowing quite a few goals and i think everything else kind of falls into place i mean buffalo ottawa detroit florida florida maybe is the outlier down there they played a lot less games than everyone else they've also won four in a row so they could battle back but uh luongo will get hurt and then they'll be terrible again because James Reimer and Michael Hutchinson have no business being number one goalies in this league. <laughs> True story. But so here's, here's something oh, funny ahead. for you though. Okay. Uh, which team in the East has the best record in their last 10? Do you know? Well, without looking. Without looking, it's probably the Florida Panthers, isn't it? No, it's actually the Detroit Red Wings. Oh, it is. It's seven and three. Well, tied with Tampa Bay. With Tampa, yes. But, but Detroit's won three in a row. They've been yeah. crushing it since Arby's was like, yeah, just score three goals. We'll give you some curly <laughs> fries. They've been destroying it. And yet they're yes. still, you know, seven, eight, and two. Uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. They're, uh, maybe, you know, maybe this beginning of the season was the fraud, and we're starting to see the real Red Wings team come to light. Oh, Doubtful, but okay. So the team that I think that is outside of the playoffs right now that will be inside of the playoffs uh, I actually believe that that is Pittsburgh, Washington, and Florida. Wow, you're throwing three in there. Okay. I am throwing three out of the teams that will be gone. Montreal, New York Islanders, and the Buffalo Sabres. Wow, okay, wow. The Eastern Conference a lot. I mean, there's just so much, so much uh, you know, one win in your... Everything's completely thrown off. Whereas in the in the West, I mean, all the teams outside of the playoffs are at least two points outside of either of the wild card. No, you know, nobody's there's not a bunch of teams bunched all together the way that it is in the East. So I think the East is just when you look at it, I mean, even the top team in the Metro is only nine, six, and two. So that uh, makes for some very even standings right now, and a lot can change and just a matter of a weekend. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't, I don't hate the teams you're throwing in because obviously it makes sense to put those teams. in. I think um, you and I both had Florida as a, as a wildcard team coming into this, this season. And I, I think they're going to find their game. They're going to pick it up and uh, who knows, maybe they make a coaching change or bring in Joel Quinville to, uh, to kind of facilitate that change a little bit quicker. Um, but for me, I think the one team, that just to play devil's advocate, I guess, again, um, you know, I look at and that you left in and I say, okay, I know I picked them to win this division, but right now the way the goaltending is playing for me has me worried. Uh, the Philadelphia Flyers have given up 60 goals so far. And I think, you know, only Ottawa and they're tied right now with Detroit. And let's, let's face it, Detroit's team is, you know, supposed to be at the bottom. Uh, same with Ottawa, but you know Philly's supposed to be a team that that should have been stopping goals. They have a pretty good defense in front of them, and and guys that should be controlling the puck. Um, but for whatever reason, they can't get Brian Elliott or Pickard or Neuvirth to stop the puck. I think Elliott is the best among them at a 909 save percentage, and that's probably bloated a little bit because you know he got a shutout yesterday against Chicago, and uh, you know had a, had a couple decent games, but. Yeah, right now with a, a 909 save percentage and a 2.6 goals against. And then you look at Pickard is 4.41, Norrieworth six goals against in the one game he manages to play. And um, 
that that goaltending to me just leaves this team a little bit too suspect i think right now okay all right yeah i like it well you know bad goaltending makes for really fun games it really it is it is funny because their last game they did get a shutout so there's that uh okay so we uh I, i think we have some questions from people yeah, we did. We did get a, a nice question from uh, a nice gentleman named Brad, who is part of a, another podcast called Inside Edge Hockey News. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Inside Edge Hockey News. Uh, he wrote to us and asked us to um, to let him know who we feel is the most dangerous team offensively this season. And you know, I I will be the gentleman here, Mark, and let you go first. Most dangerous offensive team in the NHL right now. Hmm. You know, you can go by goals for, you know, if you you just go to the standings and sort by goals for, and I guess that kind of gives you a good picture that Tampa Bay is the most prolific goal-scoring team in the NHL with 63 goals. But you also have Ottawa, who's only played one more game with one less goal, so uh, who's second place in the league in terms of scoring Vancouver third, and uh, I don't think that I, I'm going to put either of those teams up there. Uh, I will say, to me, in terms of top to bottom, you know, what team scares me the most offensively and what team can uh, take a game and turn it around most quickly, uh, to me it's a toss-up. It's the Tampa Bay Lightning, the Toronto Maple Leafs. At any point, those games can get away from you real quick with both those teams. Uh, Tampa Bay is the better team because they have a better defense, and so they get less games taken away from them. Uh, but the the way that both of those teams, you know, they can be down by two goals, and all of a sudden they win the game seven to two. <laughs> and it just it can flip so fast uh, with both these teams' offenses, and so to me, it's it really is a toss up. I mean, obviously. Right now, in this moment, without Austin Matthews, without William Nylander or somebody to replace him, uh, wherever that is in the lineup, Tampa Bay takes the nod in this moment. But, you know, Austin Matthews comes back. They're going to get something for William Nylander, and away we go. And they're just just still so dangerous. Marner and Tavares and uh, up and down that lineup, they can make things happen. Uh, Injuries are going to kill any team's ultimate mojo in terms of the offense. Um, if I were going to pick one line, though, I'd probably go McKinnon and Ranton, and that just that pairing is just disgusting. So. Yeah, that it, it it truly is, and I would probably have to agree with you. I think right now I have two teams in my opinion, and and the second one is not named Tampa Bay, but first one obviously has to be Toronto. I think with a healthy Matthews, uh, you look up and down those top three lines; they could literally go against anybody's top line matchup, line for line, and literally outscore you any game they wanted to. Um, but again, it, you know, like we said, you know, you, you need a little bit of defense if they want to win games. Cause they're not always going to, you know, have to win games seven to five. Um, so with, with that in mind, I think the other team, in my opinion, that is so dangerously offensive this, this year is got to be the Nashville predators. And I say that because I'm a firm believer in that offense starts from the back end. And when you look at PK Subban, Roman Yossi, Ekholm and Ellis, that hands down is the best top four def- or top four you know defenseman on any team in the league, and they create a ton of offense from that back end. Yeah, and that's a uh, that is a, a great pick in terms of just total team offense. I mean, you're right. It's the other thing is that they often have the puck, 
Yeah. I mean, you don't get the puck, you're not going to score on them. And they've only allowed 35 freaking goals in 16 games. I mean, that's <laughs> disgusting. I just yeah. no nobody else has been nearly as stingy. I mean, Arizona, I guess, has been pretty close, but uh, it's just night in and night out. But the thing is that they can they can score though. I mean, they won their last game against Dallas five to four. You know, a team like Dallas, they open things up and they want that top line of Sagan and Ben and Radulov to just go. Uh, they can definitely score as well, but it really is that back end that even if a game is five four that allows you to take control because you have control of the puck more often. And that just really is Nashville's ultimate advantage. Probably the reason they should win the cup this year uh, is just overall team offense that flows from team defense. Yeah. Now let me ask you this, this scenario here and uh, to kind of stir the pot a little bit. If you were uh, Kyle Dubas and say you could make this actually happen, would you consider trading just a straight one for one, William Nylander for Ryan Ellis. Yes. Okay. Yes. All right. 100%. I don't even need to think about it. Uh, good luck with your new life in Nashville, Willie. Uh, I'm sure he would play great there. Uh, that would be a fantastic trade, I think, for both teams. I think it makes the Nashville Predators probably Stanley Cup champions. Uh, okay. Because now they suddenly have two lines with all those wingers. Yeah, they would be. Yeah. That's a great trade. That is a great thought. I think that, you know, you might want to get a little more than that if you're the Leafs, but yeah. Well, to me, I think the big kicker is Ryan Ellis's contract is so tiny. You know, they're not they don't have to pay a lot of money to this guy, and uh, right, you know, they don't have to worry very about very friendly. You know, yeah, very friendly. All right. Well, uh, any other thoughts before we end the show? Uh, no, not really. I'm just uh, glad you're doing all right. You know, I, I I know the the listeners have been wondering how you've been lately, and. Uh, yeah, you know, you know the, surgery went, so. the actually the day after surgery was okay. I mean, you're so hopped up on everything. Uh, it's just it you don't really feel a whole lot, but uh, it was I, I'd say that actually yesterday and today, which are like day three and four, have been a little worse in terms of pain, just because you know I think you're everything's uh, the swelling's coming down, your nerves are starting to to get prickled a little bit, and so it's just a little uncomfortable, kind of that dull pain, but. You know, I'm alive, so I'll take that over, uh, and you can give me the dull pain all day. Okay, fair oh, enough. <laughs> and thank you to everybody who was, uh, you know, asking about how, how surgery went and all that. I, I appreciate that, and uh, you guys are good good people asking about that. It's great. So, yeah, uh, our next show later in the week, we'll, you know, uh, what, what were we going to do? You know, I'm embarrassed to say I we we started we started a series, and uh, the last time that we we did kind of a a special show, and now I totally forget what that series was. Worst depth, worst depth, worst depth. That's what it is. Yes, I'm excused because of all the uh, <laughs> of all the substances that have been in my body the last couple of weeks. Uh, worst depth. Yes, are we uh, are we doing worst defensive depth on Let's our next it. show? Okay, well, we'll see you back for the uh, worst defensive depth. And uh, if you know, you want to give us your top five worst defensively depth team adept teams at, at defense. <laughs> uh, uh, what you know what I'm talking about? Uh, feel free to tweet at us at OT Hockey Talk. We'd love to interact with you on there, and we'll uh, we'll throw your name up on the show and, and give your picks as well. 
episode. This is Overtime Hockey Talk. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you guys soon.